What wondrous love is this that takes away the pain of our soul? What love is this that our poet Pesha Gertler holds for her untended wounds, her no places, her wrong streets, to call them holy, holy. What wondrous love is this? At the beginning of this month of September, Reverend Frank introduced us to our theme this month of deeper understanding. And I don't know if you remember, but at one point during his homily entitled Deep Calls to Deep, he asked our kids if they had ever taken swimming lessons. He reminded us all of how scary it can at first be at the shallow end when we are beginners. But what a difference it makes to get to that deep end, the place where you can dive and plunge and maybe even cultivate a kind of unbridled joy. It's worth it, even if it's scary at first, right? Swimming pools make for beautiful symbolic imagery, I feel. You see, despite their chemically treated waters and <laughs> wholly unnatural constructions, <laughs> there's also such profound beauty in the idea that we can enter in at the shallow end the place where you can, at your own pace, ease your way into the newness of swimming or even the cold, cold waters of an early summer dip. And then there is the slow and steady drop, right? Somewhere in the middle, you might not be able to touch or sense the bottom anymore, let alone see it. You might be on your tippy toes, holding on until the last second, until you have to start swimming. And swimming is different here with the safety of the bottom gone. Now you're at the deep end, where you must trust your body to keep you afloat or grip the edge for support. I am from Los Angeles originally. That is where I was born and raised. A place whose desert summer culture was centered around the swimming pool. That's actually a misstatement. Our year-round culture was centered around the swimming pool. And my memories as a child have so much to do with cold, wet bathing suits being pulled and stretched on in the early, hot mornings of summer. I knew the way that the chlorine smelt a little bit different on a cold fall night than it did at the height of summer. Oh, and the warmth of a heated pool on a winter's day. The fear of getting out of it and the frantic, slipping, shivery run inside afterwards. 
heart racing and dripping in the warm haven of my kitchen. But this isn't where my memories with pools stop, lovely as they all sound. This is where I tell you about my bad, bad, bad babysitting experience. So I was the baby in this scenario at the ripe age of six, and my well-intending but utterly irresponsible teen babysitter thought that the movie Jaws the nightmarish story of a massive great white shark on a free-for-all in the Cape Cod-like town of Amityville, that this movie might be a good evening film to watch while my unsuspecting parents were away. Bless this girl, I say today. <laughs> and upon seeing this movie, I became terrified not of oceans, weirdly enough, but of the deep end of the swimming pool. Now, this didn't stop me from swimming in this side of the pool. It was just too wonderful to resist. But I did so every time, every time with butterflies in my stomach. A beautiful dive would end with me frantically swimming to the side and hurling myself out, always just barely escaping certain death. And a swim to the bottom to touch that smooth, smooth light blue Cement was done with eyes tightly closed and a lightning speed expertly angled launch back to the shallow end. My body quickly appraised to make sure everything was in its starting place. <laughs> oh, the relief of the shallow end. And my sense is that this seems a fitting analogy to the courage it takes to do deep interior work, what I would call spiritual work, to courageously venture out from the safety of the shallows, the places in our lives that feel safe and predictable and routined, where we can touch the ground at any time, venturing out from this into the dark, unseen, depths of our stories and lives with the knowing that there might be monsters waiting for us down there? Yes, this takes courage. We might believe, have faith in the treasures to be found in the depths, not unlike Anne Morrow Lindbergh's bright-colored cochina clams, right? We, we know we must go down there and bring them back up to the surface. We're called to do this in so many ways. And we trust that there is such profound wonder and joy and connection to be found in this work. But dear God, isn't it scary? The no places, the ebb tide places, the shark-infested deep end, scary. So, yes, dear ones, the deep end requires courage. Faithful risk. This is a term we worked with a bit yesterday at our wonderful spiritual leadership retreat. It's risky because... 
you might lose something. A part of you might die. You might be transformed, altered, rearranged. Who knows? It's really the not knowing that gets to me. It's tough. And why do it? Because we have to. Right? We, we are called to it by virtue of being human beings and alive. We have faith, faith that it will be worth it. That no matter what, it will be worth it. What else is that but faith? To launch out into the unknown, scary places with the hope that it will be worth it? I call that faith. Six years ago, I sat in the pews of the First Religious Society in Newburyport, having only attended for about a year, and somewhere in the middle of Harold Babcock, our minister at the time's sermon, a voice dropped into my body saying, you could do this. <laughs> a call. Oh, how nice this story would be if I launched into the joys of ministry right there and then. No, that is not what happened. The next day I spent hours, hours online strategically searching for and successfully finding, by the way, affirmation that UU ministry was a horrible, horrible vocation. <laughs> it's not hard to see what you want to see when you're frightened. And it's not hard to bend the internet to your will, either. But here's the thing with call stories. They kind of have to happen eventually, or so we hope, right? It really is just a question of how long. How long until we are willing to take the plunge? Now, for months, all kinds of strange and wonderful whisperings kept coming my way, and that voice that I heard in the pews, it just got louder and louder and louder, and I let this go on for a whole year, certain, certain about my no. I was driving to pick my girls up for, from school one day, and it was about a 30-minute drive, timed remarkably precisely to when Terry Gross, was interviewing the Lutheran pastor and author, Nadia Boltz Weber, on her show Fresh Air. And in this interview, Nadia spoke of her call to ministry and how it was born up and out of her recovery from alcoholism, how it offered her a deep and profound connection with God and a spiritual community of castaways that she was called to build a church for in Denver, Colorado. And while her and I have different theologies, our stories were and are the same. I too am a person whose recovery from drug addiction and alcoholism at the age of 25, 19 years ago, was the great and wondrous portal into a spiritual life that transformed me utterly. And I, too, see my ministry as all about offering a spiritual home to those who are adrift, 
cast off, stuck in the shallows and terrified of the deep end. And I needed Nadia to tell me on that drive to get my daughters that in the end, the only real love in the world is found when you let yourself be truly known. You see, what was keeping me from heeding this call was fear. Terror, really. Terror of being truly known and of saying yes to the secret kingdom at the bottom of my sea. And so I needed to name the monsters in the depths, right? The cost of seminary, the fear of failing miserably. The fear of losing my family in some way to this work. On and on and on. What a relief it was to just say it all out loud. What a relief it was to hold it close and call it holy and valid. And what I saw when I did this, when I started to inch out of the inch out into the depths and get a closer look at the bottom of the deep, I saw that my whole life, all of my greatest joys and greatest sorrows were there calling me towards the work of ministry. They had outfitted me for it, strangely enough. It took faith in what I call God, a great source of wondrous love that named my wounds and worries holy to surrender to the deep. Moving into the depths of our deepest of selves, our calls to choices, relationships, vocations, this is spiritual work, and it is hard. It's scary. And the starting place is in asking yourself, what makes you want to leap from the pool with butterflies in your stomach? What launches you back to the shallow end for fear of being devoured in some way? Can you name it? Have you tried? You know, it is right and good to take comfort at the shallow end. We really do need to do this. But when fear keeps us stuck there, we must begin to ask ourselves what we need so as to help us courageously move towards those depths. I tend to think it's a community of beloved travelers or swimmers, as the case may be, a place to be known and to know others, and a spiritual life that binds us both individually and collectively together, no matter how we articulate it, my friends. So as we move into our week, let us try to listen to what might be whispering to us, calling to us from the other end of the pool, Let us tiptoe, if we can, towards that deep end, even though we might be afraid. And let us do this knowing that the pool is indeed vast and that we need not venture out alone. No, we need not venture out alone. May it be so, and amen.